Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Joyful, joyful day for Bengals fans for a number of different reasons. The roster has been mostly settled. A lot of familiar faces who we thought maybe were gone have come back. And the star quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, has returned to practice after, what, five weeks, I guess? Good Lord, it's been a long time since we've seen him. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sheeran. John, good to be yakking with you again, man. I, I have a, I have a clip of the celebrations of Joe Burrow being back in practice. Would you like to see the, the I would love that. I found? Okay. Yeah. All right. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, this is the collective, the collective Bengals fans right there. There, there they are doing. That's the dance they are doing right there. Old Kelly Washington. And the Where is Kelly but, Washington? What was I don't he doing know. I would, I, we got to get we got to get him on the show because I want to know where the hell he came up with that dance. I freaking love it. But at any rate, Joe Burrow is back, and uh, so are we talking about some some Bengals football? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's always a good time when these two days kind of pass. A ton of work has been done covering all the roster news and transactions, and cuts, and people being brought back. And now it's just it's a Wednesday, two weeks before the regular season begins. Pretty much everything is a normal now. Um, 53 guys are on the team. They're practicing. And now we're getting ready for an actual game. We are getting ready for an actual game. Um, we I, I kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday. And John and I talked about it before we took the air here. We are working behind the scenes on getting some uh, different guests, some cool guests. And we'll, once we get those locked in, we'll definitely uh, drop the news on those. So uh, you'll, you'll want to keep your eyes and ears open for that. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot going on these past few days, a lot going on for the positive. Um, some questions about the ros- roster, some questions about the practice squad and, and other things there. Uh, the Bengals were looking like they were, well, it looks as if they're going to be able to keep a lot of important players or guys that they just couldn't make room for on the on the 53, but still have been, you know, of late important players guys they have relied upon especially in the special teams area so 
good to see some of those guys back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the roster. I yacked about the roster yesterday, but I want to hear my friend's take over here about, about what he saw and how it shook up. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the return of Joe Burrow and all of that. Before we get to all of that, just want to remind everybody that you can subscribe underneath John there. There is a show icon next to the Cincy Jungle SB Nation icon there. You can click that to subscribe to the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And, of course, you can get this show and the other great shows on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel through your favorite audio streamers itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones we are there uh we had a show yesterday we talked about the roster breakdown uh bangle jim and his crew had a show that that dropped last night with our friend james rapine of all bangles in the locked on bangles podcast that was a great episode so go check out that um we've got a lot of different things cooking for you as the regular season nears um i guess where do we want to start? Do we do we want to start on a happy note and talk about Burrow returning? I, I guess that's kind of the happiest note we could we could talk about. Um, it's been five weeks, and we were wondering when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Some people have the tinfoil hats on and are saying he's been potentially practicing in secret. I I kind of feel like, I mean, I know it's not the regular season with injury reports and all that. I don't is that even would that even be allowed? I don't even know. Um, Regardless, I don't I don't know that that's the case <laughs> that he was doing that, but he apparently he looked sharp at practice today, and he is back, John, and that is really really good news as we get set for week one. Well, there are no secret practices, but there are private rehab and training sessions, which he's right. undoubtedly been doing, as evidenced by I think it was what now two and a half weeks ago he was throwing in front of media members inside the stadium right before the first preseason game. That was the tell that, you know, things were things were pretty much fine after I think that was like two or three weeks since or following the actual injury. Zach Taylor said several weeks. It ended up being, like you said, 34 days, which is just under five weeks. Um, he probably could have been practicing last week just based off of how he looked on August 11th and how he ended up looking today on August 30th. But since there wasn't a true rush to get him back out there, they gave him time. And based off of the 30 minutes of action that media was able to see today, didn't really look like he was nursing anything. Didn't really look like they were limiting him from anything. Um, apparently, he didn't like... I think it wasn't a, technically a full practice, um, according to reports following uh, the entire 90-minute session. But... The visuals that we saw from him, obviously walking, taking minor dropbacks in the pocket, even moving a little bit off balance on some of those throws, he looked fine. It didn't look like he was coming off of any injury, which is the most important thing here. He's not physically any different than he was. It was just a matter of giving him the requisite time to fully recover, to pass the point where any risk of a retear or re-aggravation of that calf was, you know, not really a, a realistic possibility i guess refreshing to see and you know a lot of I, I think it was t higgins who uh and and by the way that smile that t higgins flashed when you were sitting next to him in our in our show intro there that's got to be the same smile he was flashing today with burrow back and he mentioned that one of the best throws of the day by burrow at practice was to charlie jones rookie who did make the 53 we figured he would but you know there were some shaky moments there a little bit in the injury and all that kind of stuff with him so 
needed to kind of, you know, navigate some things there. But regardless, Burrow is back. He looks good. He's he's doing the work. And this is, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, it, it, the timing is, I don't know if you want to say, it, it could be coincidental or it could be intentional with the roster being set and, you know, the, the practice is now not really gearing up for preseason games necessarily, but really gearing up for the Cleveland Browns. And this is kind of that first official day, I guess, if you want to talk about that, because if you want to call it that rather, because, you know, the roster was, was just kind of finalized yesterday and today. So I, you know, I don't know if it's coincidental. I don't know if this has been kind of the intention all along, but it, you know, it's good to see him out there. Yeah. I think, because he clearly was healthy enough to be practicing last week i think it was intentional for him to be out there starting today because this is really the first day of the of the regular season essentially even though it's not officially game week yet the roster set for now um right but yeah so like everything is past what, what it was in the preseason and they've officially moved forward you had Browns coach Kevin Stefanski saying that yeah we're officially preparing for Burrow now we see him practicing so like every all eyes are on week one at this point and I think because of the fact that he was clearly on track to get to this point they didn't have him out there last week they were just gonna be like you know what we're gonna save him for past final cuts past preseason all that stuff we'll give him enough of a ramp up period where he's just full go for the official you know game week practicing were you, I mean, easy to say now, because he's back, <laughs> uh, were you ever truly scared or worried that he was going to miss that week one game? I I felt, you know, I know several weeks is several weeks and, you know, whatever, but I, I felt that there was going to be no way in hell. Uh, if there wasn't a tear, if there wasn't, you know, an Achilles problem or something like that, if it was, you know, truly a strained calf, I, I felt that there was no way in hell that he was going to miss that that week one game, knowing who Joe Burrow is, what he's about, and really, you know, we we've talked about the the need for urgency for this Bengals team to get out to a hot start because of the two division games back to back to open the season. Yeah, it's not it's not even like a Joe Burrow thing to me. Like, obviously, we can we can talk about his mental and for hours or whatever, but like this is this is a grade one by all intents and purposes. It's a grade one cast strain. We've seen quarterbacks in the past get over this in two weeks when they're absolutely needed. Jimmy Garoppolo did it. Dak Prescott did it. Obviously, not everyone's calf is the same, but like the the footage from like August 11th was all I needed to see to indicate that this was a pretty run of the mill grade one calf strain for a quarterback. Which again, there's precedent of was that when he being, was this was this the preseason game you're talking about? Yeah, where he was kind of yeah. doing okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to like but yeah. No, 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 you're good, but like. Be, because of the timing of when it happened, like they just didn't need him out there, right? Like it would be mm-hmm. nice for him to get more practicing in, but it wasn't. There wasn't a sense of urgency. There wasn't the playoffs were, weren't on the line here. It was just of, it was six weeks up until the regular season, and it's a two to three week injury at worst, typically. So yeah, just the nature, the very nature of the injury, just never really um, put any like down in my mind that he was going to be here, which is why I, I, I have found it humorous and interesting. Like everyone's saying like, Oh, he looks fine. Like, you know, like in even I, even I just said it like three minutes ago, like it doesn't look like there's any like limp or anything. This is not like that in the grand scheme of things. It's not that serious of an injury. It's not an injury where people tend to have like these, like the, the like they don't look like themselves when they start practicing again. You know, it's, it's, it's from the grand scheme of things from an NFL perspective, it's not 
that serious of an injury. And just because of that, and because, you know, he's still pretty young, like it, it never really concerned me that he wasn't going to get to this point. Yeah, it's more, I, I mean, I think it's more, hey, you got to rest this thing because it could flare back up and then it sets you back another couple of weeks type of thing. And then, you know, then we're talking about potentially missing. If it's not handled correctly, if it's not rested correctly, then we are talking about him not playing week one. And so I think it seems as if everything was done correctly, maybe even overly cautious uh, about it, which is which is what you want to um, what you want to be in a situation like this. And we'll talk about this later in the show. But I mean, if you watched that, I don't know what you would call it, a uh, a video or a hard knocks light. <laughs> of uh, that the Bengals put out there what is it uh in the jungle i think it's called from the jungle um, if you from the jungle yes um if you watched that you would have seen you know you and you heard logan wilson talk about zach taylor being a player's coach and all that kind of stuff so i mean that's that and how he treats uh, logan wilson in, in his presser they, they clipped it he how he talks about how this team treats injuries to their players and their star players and everything and and going about that the right way and and not, you know, pushing them when they're not ready to do that. So that is all good news. Joe Burrow's back. We, we're, we're excited about that. The Bengals Nation is excited about that and uh, bodes well for week one. And now we are talking about him getting, um, you know, essentially a week and a half's worth, if not a little more, worth of true practice time and not, you know, going out there completely without any practices for five weeks, that sort of thing. He's getting some practice reps in. He's working with his guys, and, uh, you know, they're going to move forward from there. I want to talk about the roster, John, um, to, to kind of pivot a little bit here. I yacked about it a lot yesterday. I was more kind of – I mean, I gave a few of my thoughts and everything, but more informational. To me, not a ton of surprises. Um, you know, there were a couple of, oh, man, they let Raymond Johnson go. Oh, man, they let Dominique Davis go. We'll talk about the practice squad in just a minute. Uh, Davis was, I, I think, is reported to be back on that practice squad, so that's good news there. But I, you know, what what as you saw the roster kind of shape up in these, you know, the past 24, 48 hours. What have, what has kind of been your impressions of it? Were there surprises to you, um, or was it was it pretty much kind of how you saw it shake out? It's pretty close to chalk. I think we would have expected seven receivers and nine offensive linemen instead of six receivers and 10 offensive linemen. Ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was initially a shock to me until I kind of started rationalizing a little bit more because there is like a rule where if you have eight active offensive linemen for game days, you can activate, I think, two extra players uh, for just the active roster. So it goes from like 46 to 48. So it makes sense to just go heavy there for the sake of making sure that eight are actually active um, uh, for that group of like five reserves because they're essentially too deep at each of the offensive line positions now. I don't know who would be inactive other than like Jackson Carmen's probably not dressing and maybe one of like Trey Hill or Cody Ford isn't dressing either. So like we'll we'll see what, what happens when when we get to that. But that was my that was my initial surprise, and obviously the biggest surprise cut going from seven receivers to six receivers would be Stanley Morgan. But he's in the building, right? And that's kind of how you have to look at after twenty four hours after final cuts, like who's still in the locker room and who isn't. So Stanley Morgan, obviously a pretty uh, assumed agreement that hey we're gonna we're gonna release you here just for for the sake of the numbers, but we would love to have you back in the practice squad. 
all accounts, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's even active for week one just for special teams purposes, just to so like they can have that just to, just to start. But they only get a limited amount of activations for him specifically. So we'll see if he ends up you know getting signed because of injuries or whatever. That was the biggest surprise cut for me. But in terms of who's in the building, who's not, like you said, like where is Raymond Johnson? Like I think someone said it in in the, in the comment section. Like where is he actually? Because he hasn't by any reports he hasn't been claimed. By anyone else, he's not on anyone's active roster or practice third, squad. Third highest rated edge rusher of the preseason, right? I mean, by PFF yeah. standards. So, yeah. Like, I don't – is he dealing with an injury that we don't know about? And maybe teams are wary of that? Is he getting a physical with the Bengals tomorrow? Just like uh, one of the uh, running back from Cleveland is joining the Bengals practice squad tomorrow, pending a physical. I don't know if this has not been reported, but, like, it doesn't make sense if they have – at least one more practice squad opening and Raymond Johnson is not on it considering how he played. So that that's a big mystery yeah. to me. Yeah. We'll, we'll pull up actually on the Bengals official page, official website. They've got 13 players listed. There are a couple of names omitted. You meant, you mentioned one. Um, we'll, we'll talk practice squad in, in a minute, but the, the roster here uh, yesterday, I kind of made a comment where I don't, you know, I I've said this a lot. I think you've been in agreement with me about like, I think Darren Simmons has a lot of sway in this organization and roster spots and all of that. I found the roster, the way it's currently constructed and the players who left and then, you know, some resigned to the practice squad. I, I, I don't know how I'm trying to find the right words here. I don't know how big of a stamp he did or did not have on this roster because there's an argument to be had on either side. For me, when you're, when you're cutting Stanley Morgan, you're cutting Michael Thomas, you're cutting Trent Taylor, right? Um, those are three guys you've had around for two plus seasons on your special team and have had high profile role, uh, roles on, on your special teams unit, right? But then you keep Charlie Jones, right? And then the two, the two backup, two of the, the four running backs have kick return experience, Travion Williams, and Chris Evans. So what do you see that he kind of didn't get his way? Do you see that he did get his way? And it's just, Hey, you know, we, we've got a quality roster. We've got a quality, you know, a, a slew of quality players and we're pushing some of these still valuable special teamers out of the door here, but you know, we got to keep some of these guys. I, I, I just wonder about the Darren Simmons effect and, and his thumbprint on the roster. I definitely think he got his way when it came to Mitchell Wilcox over Tanner Hudson. Just because yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think either of those two provide much as blockers, but obviously Hudson is significantly better as a receiver. Even if we just saw him against preseason guys, like like he has the athleticism that Mitchell Wilcox doesn't. So Wilcox is here, I think, primarily for special teams and just the sake of tight end depth, and that's a bit concerning because they don't have a true backup behind Irv Smith. Tanner Hudson would be that true backup, and maybe they would activate him or elevate him if something does happen to Irv Smith. But I think it also transcends more than just like roster decisions at cutdown days. You look at draft picks as well, like Tyson Anderson, special teams phenom in, in college at Toledo. It's kind of the same kind of goes to Jordan Battle too. So if you're looking at a future without Michael Thomas, you have two safeties who I think they're really, really confident in stepping into those roles. And, you know, Tyson Anderson entering his second year, like he's got a I'm not going to say he has to show something, but like this is the time for him to kind of make his stamp and kind of grow into that Michael Thomas role. And he'll have Thomas on the practice squad to kind of guide his way there a little bit. DJ Ivy's kind of in the same boat, right? If he's going to be active at all, he's going to play special teams. Um, and like you said, like a, a lot of the running backs have have value there as well. So I think it you're seeing it all often in the draft as well as some of these roster decisions. So I'm not going to say that Darren Simmons 
didn't have like a, a big stamp in just the construction of this roster because I think it also started, you know, back when they were scouting these guys in college as well. Yeah, I, I just, you know, you, you, you mentioned some of those names and I mean, I know you don't necessarily look for in the preseason training camp, that sort of thing. Hey, outstanding special teams play, right? I mean, you're looking for these backups to do stuff on defense, which is strikes me though, is those names that you mentioned were guys that were not, you know, doing a, a lot of, at least not on the surface level, a lot of great work on the special teams. It's more there, you know, Tyson Anderson, two interceptions, pick six on defense, right? DJ Ivy all over the place in practices and did some nice things in the preseason on defense. Right. So that's, I guess that's a little bit where, where not that Simmons settled for players, but it's more like, Hey, you know, I recognize the value that these guys have on offense, on defense. And so, yes, I, I think they can be molded into or already molded into quality special teams players. But I mean, uh, these guys are, Charlie Jones is kept around for his kick return ability too, but these guys are kept around. Uh, some of these guys have been kept around because of their plays this preseason and training camp on defense, on offense, not so much big time special teams plays. Yeah. And Charlie Jones, like, I mean, that's another example, right? That was a fourth round pick and he was picked partly because of his value as a returner. And we didn't see a ton of that in the preseason. Like he got reps returning punts, but like that they made the decision to you know keep him and let Trent Taylor test the waters and ended up going with the Chicago Bears. So like that, that, that there's a change in the guard there too. I think you only have one player on the team who's over the age of 30 and it's the center and Ted Karras. So th- this roster got really young primarily because like you're alluding to, like they chose to just move on from some of these veterans primarily who had a lot of special teams value and that, that that's an interesting development because this team is is hardened in a lot of ways considering the amount of football that they've played in the past two years and yet i think their average yeah. age is 25 and a half which is even younger than they were last year so it, it, it's an interesting way of, of how they're continuing to build and reload this team and now it's about if simmons can develop even more special teams aces who are just kind of finding themselves in, into their nfl careers yeah well, uh, w- before we get to practice squad and talking about some of those guys, uh, Jerry um, Jerry Lowell in the live YouTube brings up a point about Osai. Now, the latest on him, high ankle sprain. I think it was Kelsey Conway on uh, from the Cincinnati Inquirer on Twitter who put out something a little bit ago this, this afternoon saying she spoke to Osai and his doctor said basically about four weeks uh, is what you can expect. They're going to reexamine in two weeks to see where he's at with things. Unfortunately, high ankle sprains are gnarly. And sometimes high ankle sprains are worse than breaking the freaking thing, right? So, um, you know, she brings up a point here. Does Osai go on IR, you know, IR return possibly? And then they bring back Johnson. They didn't do that immediately. They probably wanted to, you know, make sure that everything was settled on the roster first and then make that move. I think they could have made it by, what was it, 1 p.m. today, 4 p.m. today, something like that. Eastern where they, they kind of start making some of those moves. I don't know that he goes on IR return if, because it's, it's sounding like he may not be back until week three. I don't know that they do that. What do you, what do you think about that? This is tricky. I think we've seen this in the past where it's kind of right at that threshold, that, that proposed timeline, that projected timeline right at when he could return from IR. It's a matter of how much do you want that roster spot? 
And I think Jerry brings up a good point. Like logistically, you would replace one edge rusher with another. And that makes sense. We also have to consider who's actually going to be playing on game days, right? If you were to bring back Raymond Johnson and essentially replace him with Joseph Asai, then I think that speaks a lot about Miles Murphy and maybe even potentially Cam Sample because right now they have four healthy edges. Typically, you only activate four. So if you bring back Johnson, presumably you're going you're gonna to play him unless they just want to bring him back for the sake of depth, which that's totally fine. But if they wanted to do that, then they probably would have added him back on the practice squad if he's not been claimed by anyone else. So to, to me, like, I, I don't know what you do with that roster spot. Presumably you would, you would fill it with someone who's actually going to play, which is why Stanley Morgan popped into my mind initially, because he does have actual value when he's out on the field because he's playing special teams. So, yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if that's as simple as it sounds in theory because you still have to have, you know, a certain number of players sit and be inactive. And I, I think they, I think right now they have four guys that they want to dress. And I, I don't know, like, like if if Osai was healthy, I don't think Miles Murphy plays. But since he's not, like, I think that just kind of forces him into this trial by fire era. And I don't. I don't know if they want to. If they want to play this undrafted guy that that just balled out in the preseason, if they want to just throw him out there against actual starters, I I, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do, but it, I don't think it's like cut and dry. Bring back Johnson to replace Osai, I guess. I think you're muted. Yeah, that could be the tinfoil hat theory, though, right? I mean, that that could be um, where you know why we haven't seen a move on Raymond Johnson at least to this point, and maybe happening while we're taking the air here. Maybe there is one of those kind of handshake agreements, verbal agreements that say, "Hey, you know, we're going to find out more about this Osai injury, how much time he may miss. Maybe we do an IR return with him, bring Raymond Johnson back for two games, three games to fill that roster spot, and that's why he has not committed to a practice squad somewhere." Um, so, I mean, that that could be kind of a little bit of what's happening there, but. Uh, you know, disappointing news for for Joseph Osai, who was really, you know, it, the development's coming a long way with him, and it this was kind of set to be, you know, a breakout year, and here he here he goes has a, you know, somewhat significant injury in a meaningless preseason game, particularly the third one. Um, it's it's you know I feel bad for the guy, but uh, Bengals may you know that's something to watch there. They did not. I I was certain that they were going to do something on the waiver wire claims and they did not. This was one of the few times, if, if the only time I, I, I keep meaning to research this and I can't remember, but I know, I know they've done it at least a few times under, under Zach Taylor, where they've claimed some guys on the, on the roster, but it also speaks to the, the quality that they have on the roster, right? I mean, it, it speaks to the shape of the roster, the, the quality of players that they have that they don't need to kind of net some of these guys. And then some of the quality players that they let go that showed well in the preseason. Most of them have come back or veterans they've had uh, have come back on the practice squad. Yeah. I, I honestly expected like a, a swap for Trey Hill at the at offensive line. Honestly, I think there was like a handful of guys who were available that I think are just, are just better than Trey Hill. Like he has not, he was not really good in the preseason. I honestly didn't really expect him to make the roster and he ended up being that 10th offensive lineman. And they clearly just want to keep him around. But again, like they could have swapped him out for a guy who was clearly better, who can play center and guard and just keep him on the practice squad. But they chose not to do that. Um, also, just just real quick on on the, the note for a sigh, because um, I wanted to mention this. The doc. So 
according to Conway's report, like he can return in four weeks. But like you said, like if Joe Burrow suffered a high ankle sprain and he was out there doing what he was doing, I would be much more impressed just because like you said, like it's a gnarly injury and it lingers for months. Like you have players who say like, this is a terrible injury that it kind of just really disrupts the whole season. So like four weeks to me is like for him to start like, doing side work on uh, like work on the side of the field like it's not he's going to be out for four weeks and then looking like looking like himself afterwards i think this is going to take him probably close to two months for him to look like the joseph side that we know man that's rough i i I don't doubt it though i mean that's it's it's a rough injury i mean you you've heard people say high ankle sprains or sometimes just ankle sprains in general whether it's the high high ankle sprain or not that it's almost worse than breaking the ankle for, for that like position that. when you are turning a tight yeah. corner taking yeah. on contact it's it's rough yeah yeah for sure for sure um so let's let's go to the practice squad here this is uh this is the list here you see 13 players now not listed is um will greer right he's not listed on here i don't think and then of course uh Dimitric felton who you mentioned earlier a guy that uh, was rumored at this point, reported to be coming to the Bengals. You know, the Browns let him go. He's a guy a couple of years has had, uh, you know, he's kind of a fun player. I'm pretty stoked to, to see that he's coming uh, potentially to the Bengals. But you see here, Dominique Davis coming to the, uh, coming to the team, coming back to the team. Alan George coming back. Uh, Gunter coming back, Nate, Nate Gilliam as well, Shaka Hayward. So a lot of familiar names. Did we know that Shedrick Jackson was Bo, Bo Jackson's nephew? I, 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 I knew that. I don't, yeah, I, I think I knew that, but I heard it again today and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Sidney Jones comes back to the Bengals on the practice squad. Jackson Kirkland, a guy that I think a lot of people liked. He, he was the kid from Washington, right? Uh, Jackson Kirk, Kirkland. Um, Kwame Lasseter, Stanley Morgan, Tyler Murray. So a lot of familiar names there. And then you add in a Will Greer and, um, you know, potentially uh, Felton too. So that's, those are some interesting names and good to see some of those guys back. Yeah. I think uh, of all these guys, like I think Shedrick was a, was a virtual lock as well as Hudson. So long as they clear waivers, Uh, if they weren't going to, if they weren't going to bring back Raymond Johnson, Jeff Gunter makes a ton of sense. I think he played pretty well in the preseason. Uh, Alan George, I think, is a perfect practice squad cornerback because we saw him, you know, kind of thrive last preseason, and then we saw the the lows this preseason. So he just needs he, he needs more development time, and I think it's fine to have him stay in the room as well as Dominique Davis, who is a, is a little bit inconsistent, but you see the flashes and you want to see how how much you can develop that. You mentioned Sidney Jones, and I think this is interesting too. Just because I think DJ Turner is still kind of nursing like a hamstring injury or some type of lower body injury. And that's exactly what Sidney Jones was nursing for the final two weeks of the preseason. But he's essentially back in practice now. And him being like a vested veteran, one of the one of the few on the practice squad under that title, I think it makes sense to keep him around in case you need that extra depth when the season starts and you're not sure if Turner can, you know, if he's going to be a hundred percent, it makes sense to potentially elevate Sidney Jones against the Browns, maybe the Ravens. If you are still kind of, you know, leaning on the cornerback depth a little bit. Do you buy into the idea at all? If Felton, it does land with the Bengals that this is in part a little bit of picking the brain of him uh, for their, for their opponent. Do you, do you buy into that at all? 
I don't know. It's the second time in the past three years that they've picked up a guy on the practice squad for the week one opponent. I don't really believe like Jake Browning was the other one because he played for the Vikings and then they played the Vikings week one in 2021, the game that me and Anthony met for the first time. Um, I I don't think that was primarily to pick, you know, to get the Vikings playbook because I think they, they clearly like something Browning for him to be quarterback two two years later. Um, They usually keep a running back on the practice squad. I guess Felton's not a traditional running back. He's more of that gadget, almost like a Puka Williams type of receiver Mm -hmm. slash running back Mm -hmm. guy that can be used in the open field, but it doesn't hurt, I guess, to just have that extra, <laughs> extra layer of, of incentive, I guess. Yeah. The good news though, again, with, with some of these names here, you look at it again. Uh, I, I did cut off Michael Thomas there. Sorry about that. Um, the good news though. I mean, some of these guys, you look here, Dominique Davis, a guy that could be called up. If you, if you feel you need that, whether it's an injury or otherwise, uh, Hudson, who had a great preseason, a guy that, you know, you could say the same there. You mentioned the value potentially of Sidney Jones, um, you know, and a, a call-up situation there. So, um, and then, yeah, it does say we'll also sign Will Greer to the practice squad. Um, so it's noted there. But 16-player uh, limit, there are at least 14, maybe 15 accounted for, it would seem. If you do throw in Felton and Felton's a fun player, man. Um, I, I think he had a little bit of a down year this last year, but man, I, I remember him a couple of years ago and he, he's kind of a, a very versatile guy. If I remember correctly, like, you know, he was used a lot in the passing game and obviously the Browns know how to sport a running game, that sort of thing. So uh, if he comes to the Bengals, that's, that, that, that's a fun one. Yeah. So he played, Mostly his rookie season as a receiver with the Browns. I think he had like 18 receptions, about 180 yards and two touchdowns. He also got some return work. He didn't play as much last year because he was kind of transitioning more toward to being a running back. He was in competition to be running back three in that room. But then they traded for, I believe, Pierre Strong right before cutdowns, which essentially kind of nixed that battle a little bit. So, yeah, fun player. Let's, let's We'll see what they can kind of develop out of him. But, you know, he's not, you know, he's not playing anytime soon, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what do you make of the, the, the quarterback situation behind Burrow? Um, you know, I, I, they, they kept Browning a guy they've worked with and tried to develop, like you said, the past couple of years here. And then they go out and get Greer who had an outstanding preseason and a guy, if you remember, man, I mean, there were, there were a lot of Bengals fans in 2019 who were saying draft this guy and have him challenge Andy Dalton. Um, so, I mean, now he's here. He's on the practice squad. Uh, your, your take on the quarterback situation based on what they what they have done here with those three. I think it's fine. Like, again, Browning outplayed Simeon for most of practice, for most of the preseason. That decision made sense. There were other quarterbacks aside from Will Greer that I think made sense to, to challenge Browning for QB2, like P.J. Walker, who ended up going with the Browns, Bailey Zappi. Mm-hmm was went unclaimed and is now back on the practice squad for new England yep. who has, yep. I think they have just Mac Jones on the active roster, which is yep. very Belichick move, I guess because we can't really explain it, but we just have to trust him. Um, <laughs> but Will Greer had arguably the best preseason quarterback performance in recent memory he was the only one this year with over 300 passing yards. And this just happened last weekend against the Raiders and 305 passing yards, two touchdowns through, through the air. He added like 50 or so rushing yards and a couple touchdowns on the ground. He got the whole game to really showcase himself. And by design, the Cowboys traded for 
uh, Trey Lance right before the game. So he was going to be quarterback two. They still have Cooper Rush, who they re-signed in the offseason. Apparently, the Bengals were, I guess, in on him, according to the Cowboys website. Will Greer was also in quarterback four in Dallas, so he had the whole game to kind of audition for the rest of the NFL. And the Bengals rightfully like what they saw. He looked really, really good in that game beyond just the highlights of him running around. Like he was really accurate on some of the more just, you know, remedial throws, but he was nailing some tight windows and throwing with timing, with poise. Like, like it's been five years, I think, since he's been in the league. And he was kind of like a highlight reel in West Virginia. I'll always remember that game when he touched on pass to Gary Jennings against Texas. It was like perfectly right in the back of the end zone as Jennings got one foot down. The, the horns down celebration as well it was it, it was really hype that last year in college and then he he didn't do so well in the senior bowl ended up going in the third round of the draft so he makes a ton of sense as just a developmental quarterback behind these two and maybe in a year's time if he's still on the roster he can give browning a legit chance or challenge at that quarterback two spot yeah uh well overall impressions of the the roster and the practice squad for me i think this is Quite honestly, one of the one of the most sound and solid rosters, top to bottom, that they've that they've put together in a, in a really long time. I mean, I you can go back to that 2013 team, you can go back to the 2015 team, you know, you can go back even to you know that 2005 team a little bit, but you know that was more tilted heavily on talent on offense instead of defense in 05. I mean, this. This just seems like a really well. I mean, there are questions. There are questions at tight end and safety for me a, a little bit, but um, you know, if, if if potential hits on some of these guys, some of these guys mature faster than we anticipate. Uh, this this is a pretty pretty loaded roster, man. It's just really refreshing to just not be overly concerned about the offensive line, which has always been for the past few years where the concern is live. Like how how much is this offensive line going to hold back the team? You don't really feel like that anymore because you have pretty good confidence in all five starters. And then just beyond that, like everything else looks pretty solid. Like the biggest question for me, like who's their second best pass rusher right now? Because I, I yeah. like I think I think Osai was honestly at this point, he, he gives you a little bit more in that department than Sam Hubbard. BJ Hill and DJ Reader are, are nice, but you know, you need presence off the edge. You need to be able to get a, a decent rotation behind Trey Hendrickson so he doesn't overwork himself. Um Cam Sample has shown, I think, a decent amount in practice to indicate that he's going to take a step forward. But again, he's not the athlete that Osai is. So for this first you know, month or however long that Osai is out, like I'm really curious as to who steps up there and how they're going to compensate that. I think it's a real challenge for Lou and Aruma to get creative because you're thrusting Miles Murphy into, I think, more snaps than you would have expected. Even if he was a first-round pick, he was drafted into a really deep defensive line in general and i don't think you were realistically expecting that much from him yeah. because of the depth in front of him now he's probably going to play significant snaps i would i would imagine along with sample and i don't know if he's ready for that but he's going to have to be and it's going to be on in a room to get creative and put him in positions where he can win that's honestly my biggest question i think i think the, the defense around him is pretty solid like i, I think dax hill and nick scott are going to work fine together um obviously we didn't see much outside of that drive and you know there's still some more you know they still have to prove it a little bit more, but it's just a really solid roster and it's solid because they're pretty much all healthy aside from Asai, DJ Turner, and I guess Deontay Smith. Which players, and I guess you would look at the practice squad primarily. I mean, did you, in your, because I don't remember offhand, in, in your roster predictions, did you have any of these undrafted guys, any of these guys making the roster that, that are now on the practice squad 
be it a Raymond Johnson, be it a Dominique Davis, be it Tanner Hudson, um, or, or, you know, Michael Thomas, Sidney Jones, any of those guys, or do, did you pretty much expect that those guys were going to be let go? I thought it was going to come down to two battles. Um, I had J2 Faley making it over Raymond Johnson, but I had Raymond Johnson to the practice squad, obviously. And I had Tanner Hudson over Mitchell Wilcox and ended up, I ended up going one for two. Like, I think it was like conventionally in my gut. I was, I was thinking Wilcox and two but I was kind of going with what I would, what I would have done with Tanner Hudson. Honestly, I just feel like he just, he just earned that spot and it's hard to keep, four tight ends in this offense but that was the one that i guess I, I was i was mildly surprised i wasn't just completely floored that they went with wilcox for obvious reasons i guess yeah yeah well that's the roster and that's the practice squad that is what's happening there we talked about it yesterday and we uh also talked about joe burrow returning i guess this can tie into a little bit uh, we're, we're um we still got a little time but we're gonna have a little bit of an abbreviated show today I guess this can tie into our mic drop a little bit, but I mentioned it earlier, the new series that the Bengals dropped um, from the jungle. What'd you, what'd you think of it? I I've got some thoughts on it, but what did you, I assume you watched it. It's about 40 minutes. Um, and they're going to do what? Five episodes total. Uh, I think yeah, I read. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I think they have four dates scheduled. out. I, I, I don't know how many they're going to do, but it was, it was really good. Um, like it's not exactly at the, level of production that like a hard knocks is because that's hbo and this is just like the Bengals media team but it was really solid like it, it showed a lot of things that I, w- I wanted to see um i think there was like a brief scene where it was like a meeting between ownership and the coaches and it kind of gave us like kind of a fluff line like yeah i really like where the roster is according to zach or something like that it was it was a lot of behind the scenes of some other cool stuff too like i think it was cool to see you know uh, Elizabeth Blackburn and Paul Brown Jr. go up to Ken to look at you know some of the Paul Brown artifacts or just the the archives that that they had. That was pretty cool. Going uh, to DJ Reader's hometown for his um, I think it was like a program that he's doing with with his old school. That was really cool. It's, it's yeah. a lot of behind the scenes content that you don't normally get, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was really well done. You saw some things that you didn't expect to see. Yeah, a lot of stuff about team camaraderie, which is cool. A lot of stuff about the community work, like you mentioned, from some of these guys that doesn't always get uh, highlighted, which is a shame because it should get highlighted for this great some of the great stuff that these guys do. Um, good insight on Zach Taylor. I thought it, I thought the the episode covered a lot of time. A lot, you know, like the timeline of it was kind of expansive. I I thought it was going to be more just like oh, this is just about training camp and stuff, but it wasn't. It was a lot more than that. Um, and it really kind of up to a little bit up to where we are right now. I thought, you know, it's kind of a hard knocks light. I, I you know, I, I think the production quality was great. I thought it was, you know, he's, I, I thought the, the really cool thing I, when the Blackburns and the Brown family went to Canton and they went in that yep. back room and they were showing a lot of stuff. Like you saw Paul Brown's fedora. Um, you saw some of his old uh, scouting reports. And, you know, on you could tell it was typed on a freaking typewriter, um, which was, you know, it's just really, really cool. And you you, you see, I think, unfortunate, it's, a, it's really unfortunate that because of the Bengals lack of success before, you know, just in general as a franchise, what gets lost in that is the innovations and everything that Paul Brown did. Now, there was a, a really good documentary 
by the NFL Network. It's it's that a football life, and they did one on Paul Brown, and they highlighted a lot of this stuff that he was kind of the innovator of. And I don't think the general public, maybe a lot of Bengals fans know, but I don't think a lot of people outside of the Bengals sphere know exactly the impact of of what Paul Brown did from a number of different perspectives, who he embraced on his team as a coach and, and the playbooks, the, all that kind of stuff, scouting reports, everything. I thought it was, it was really, really cool. Um, and very well done. Very well done. What did you make of the comment at the end um, about we've, we've got 25. Did you, did you catch that in the, in the end credits by Elizabeth Blackburn? She was talking with I, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was. Rad, this Radicevich was Stephen Stephen. Yeah, Stephen Radicevich. He was talking yeah. about uh, like the money needed to sign a, a uh, yeah. undrafted free agent. Yeah, yeah. I, some people were saying, "Oh, is that you know about signing a different player or you know an extension or that sort of thing?" No, but I mean, you just you kind of see the hustle and bustle. You see the history. You see everything with this team, and you got a little behind the scenes look. And I thought it was really neat. I. I... I don't know if it was the opening shot, but it obviously opened on Zach Taylor talking in the car uh, to a camera. And Zach lives, he's a fellow East Sider on, in Cincinnati. I live in Hyde Park. He lives kind of near Mount Lookout, which is like about five, ten minutes from, from my apartment. I want well, yeah, to... I know you guys hang out all the time, yeah. Well, of yeah. course, yeah. We go to, we yeah. go to Mount Lookout Tavern. Yeah. I want to try to, <laughs> to contact a geo-guesser locator. The, essentially people who are professionals in locating where specific images and locations are on Google maps, like the, the street that he was driving down, it looks so familiar, but it's just like, it just looks like a run the mill street with, with grass and it has a little bit of a curve, but I swear I've driven down that street before. And I would love to identify the exact location of that street. Uh, not, not to stalk you know, Zach on his way to work or anything, but I, I was curious where that was. Like I was trying to figure out if I've, if I recognize that street, if I look at it a little bit harder, I might be able to identify it, but it's really cool. You know, like it's just, you know, these, these guys are just in your backyard and they're just like, this is their job. Their job is doing things. And then our job is covering <laughs> the things that they do. And we get to see, you know, parts of it that we'd never, we're not really privy normally to see, which is really cool. Yeah. And I thought the last couple of minutes of it, where you hear Zach kind of talking about, this is, you know, one of the, highlights of his life and everything representing the Bengals. And then it shows him at, at, before that, I think it showed him kind of going to the local bars and giving out the game balls and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, early, early in his tenure. And after the, you know, covering what I, I do, we do these post game shows. And sometimes, you know, we try and just be objective and informative and not, you know, not try and interject a lot of emotion or opinion and all that kind of stuff. But it was hard in 2019 and 2020 when this team was getting its ass kicked by by the Steelers and you're seeing them make all these mistakes and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was hard to kind of keep a level head with everything. And you go, what what's the plan here? You know, and everybody's stating this is, you know, Dave Shula and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that the, the whole deal. And I wasn't there, but I was getting frustrated because in those first couple of years, John, you know, the Bengals were losing to the Steelers and the Ravens. Yes, I mean, they they, they need to make way for the Browns and, and do well against the Browns too, but it, this division is traditionally run through at least recently three teams, and the Bengals are one of them, but it's the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals, really. Um, and so the first couple of years when you saw those teams just take it, 
to the Bengals uh, on a couple of times. One was a uh, one was actually Joe Burrow's first first Monday night game against the Steelers. I think they I think they took it to him there if I'm not if I remember correctly. And then of course you know the Lamar Jackson on Nick Vigil that spin deal that we've seen eight hundred thousand times. It, it was it was disheartening and and we kind of wondered you know what's the plan what's the direction of this team and as i look at this series and i don't want to get like you know romanticize this whole thing but as i look at this series i hear zach taylor i see what has been achieved over the past couple of seasons and how far this roster has come um it's really cool to not only hear his words and how much this means to him but it's really really neat to see just how far yes joe burrow is a huge part of that Yes, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, all these guys, they've it's all been a big part of it, but so has outside free agency. So has been wise spending. So has been nailing draft picks with far more accuracy than in, than in the past. And, and yeah, that's a group effort, but you do look to the head coach with a lot of that. And, and you look back at 2019, 2020, Burrow injury, the whole deal. And then you you look where they are now and you look at this special and you go, wow, this is this is a really neat. Obviously, we have yet to see what happens this year, but it's really neat to see how far this this team has come. It it, it pays to have like good faith built up via results, right? The the message gets heard a lot better, and there's more patience when you've proven that you know what you're doing. And he didn't have that in the first two years when the team just wasn't constructed well, and we really just saw kind of how the process goes when you're going from one era to the other, especially when the first era lasts 16 years, and you just have you know, a, a roster built around that identity takes some time to kind of get that transition properly. And they've completely nailed the transition. Um, but yeah, like it, it, there's a definite difference between, I think how like, cause Marvin, I think loves Cincinnati and love the Bengals in his own way, he did. but, yeah. but it, it's, it's more of an outspoken love. I think was Zach, I think it's, he just wears his heart in his sleeve a little bit more and he makes no effort to hide the fact that it's, it's, personal in a good way for him he loves he genuinely loves the city of cincinnati loves living here and he loves ingratiating himself within the fan base and i think he it's it's just part of his mindset i think he wants to legitimately put on for his community because that's kind of how it's kind of how he grew up and he kind of touched on that like you know he grew up in a college town he always had aspirations and ambitions of just making it to the college level he didn't really think about the nfl but he sees cincinnati kind of like that that midwestern sense of you know like this is the whole community kind of rallies behind this team and it it, it just means a lot and it, it both sides kind of feed off of each other so he understands it i think more than most nfl coaches in, in history kind of do and he's really that old school kind of guy that is living in the modern era i guess marvin lewis obviously has he has an important place in Bengals history there's no doubt about it now there most of it is good because of the competitiveness and a lot of things he did with this team but some of it, you kind of go, oh, you know, now now you look at what they've done the last couple of years and you go, okay, well. But, I mean, Marvin Lewis has his place here, but, you know, Zach also, I, I just, I don't know, man. I uh, Like you said, I, I, I found that really compelling. And granted, there were some parts of it where people are talking about his narration of the video and everything like, oh, it's a little, you know, looks a little, seems a little scripted and he's kind of reading instead of, you know, kind of talking, but. I mean, you you see the passion, and I, I got to tell you this too. Going back to 2019, 2020, Zach had to field almost weekly really tough questions, and yeah. had to face had to face a lot of people going like, uh, you know, the Shula stuff, 
whatever, right? I mean, he, he, I'm sure he heard all that crap. And he never shied away from stuff. He never backed away from a microphone. He never really backed away. He never got overly contentious with any any you know media member or reporter. Um, and he was he's just a stand up guy, really. And it showed at the tough times, and it's showing now in the better times. And you know, I, I think a lot of us, I, I I believed in him as you know as as things got going, but it was hard to believe in him with, you know, how, how his tenure started. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know, I, I guess I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see the direction of this team and, and everything that he has done. And he has been the same guy, really stand up, same stand up guy in two and 14 seasons and, you know, 13 and five seasons. Right. I mean, it's, uh, and that's refreshing. That's, that's kind of what you want out of the, out of the leader of your team. And these next episodes, I think what I'm curious about is like, because obviously it's made by the team, it's produced by the team. It's going to have that PR sense backing it. It's not going to be like a hard knocks where you're going to just get like raw stuff that is right, right, know, right. not always going to be positive. So I'm interested to see like how they handle like cuts, like if they're, they're going to show any of that. I I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to have a different twist. And again, it's going to be tailored towards, you know, making the team look good. Like, honestly, I was curious how they were going to do Burrow at all. Like they showed like the the sports center reel of it and then mm-hmm. just kind of cut to just people talking like oh he'll be fine and it was just always back to just just being optimism again so it, it's it's gonna have that feel and i think that's it's it's not it's not what i want necessarily in a documentary but again when it's put on by the team you just want the access you want the stuff that you that you don't normally see and i think we're gonna get that for sure yeah yeah well well done by the Bengals. well done um you know a series that's off to a really good start and can't wait to see what comes next for them. So, uh, but Hey, Burrow's back. The Bengals roster is pretty much set. A couple of other questions there. We'll see, but pretty much set. the practice squad is largely set and the team is full go going towards Cleveland. Anything else you want to drop the mic with John? I know we kind of tied this into the drop the mic. Anything else you want to let loose with before we hop on out here? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just really glad that Burrow is back and healthy so that we can focus on what really matters. Is he going to sign the contract? Is he going to sign Higgins? the contract? Yeah, we get 10 yeah. days of more contract talk. Are you, are you excited? Yeah. But John, what do you, what are you thinking? What do you, how, you, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? <laughs> uh, talk, talk to me in a week, I guess. Talk to me in a week. <laughs> well, Hey, we had big news today and then we went live. So hopefully there's going to be some big news. Maybe next Wednesday, by next Wednesday, when we go live again, uh, we'll see though. This is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel underneath John there by that SB Nation logo. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We're dropping a lot of different content, some of which is YouTube only, so you'll have to check that out. But uh, go do that if you would. And then, of course, on the audio side of things, while you're on your commute or hanging out at home or barbecuing, whatever you're doing, uh, if you want to hear the audio side of things, you can go get our show and the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, most of the major ones. We are there. Give that a subscribe if you would. Leave us a review, hopefully a five-star one if you would. Uh, hopefully we're hopefully we're bringing you five-star stuff. I hope you feel that way. But we've got a lot more coming at you. We've got uh, opposition previews with interviews. We've got interviews with 
other people that we're setting up and uh you know we're, once we get that all dialed in we will promote that for you but we appreciate everybody tuning in live tuning in after the fact supporting the show for as long as you have john have a great rest of the week my friend we'll talk soon and uh get some more stuff some more content for the folks stay safe god bless 